This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. Sweet 16 before and after hole forwards. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the world. And will be for quite a while yet, probably, although maybe not too long. I don't know. We'll see. St. Louis Blues. My name is Tom Franklin. I'm joined as always by the man called Wags. Wags, how's it going? going well uh, like you said earlier i'm going a little stir crazy with the lack of hockey i'm starting to forget players and their numbers and what yeah. they've done for us it's 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 a little crazy there was a report out today that said you're not crazy in thinking that your sense of time has kind of diminished uh due to this coronavirus and, and all these things so yeah just because you think it it actually is true you don't know what day it is. <laughs> and, and, and I do have a I do have a point to make on that here. But first, I want to let people know that this is episode number 57, or as we would like to call it, the David Perron episode of Blue Notes. And for some reason, we had to think about that, Wags, and I feel ashamed as a Blues fan that we, that, that we actually had to consider whether it's Marcel Gotch or David Perron. So it's, it's Perron by a bullet. Um, but the second thing I wanted to say is you kind of pointed out that our sense of time is kind of off. So... We're doing this thing on the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube page. It is called Goonline Gaming, where a bunch of us have gotten together to play some NHL 20. And, um, you know, I, I, we, I record our games. I edit them. I turn them into well-produced episodes. We have Andy Hammond and Hockey Troll as our commentators. Grant's also the Between the Benches reporter. Uh, they represent the Rangers, the Caps, and the Blackhawks in our uh, Hockey Podcast Network, respectively. They do a fantastic job. And we had decided to move these games from Thursday nights to Saturday nights just to give me a little bit more time to edit them and properly produce them. And uh, that was the main reason. And uh, so we were going to debut that on Saturday nights. It was a big day. And I go ahead and upload the episode on YouTube Thursday because I had to be out of town Friday. And I got everything set up and I set it up as a premiere. But I set it up as a premiere for Friday night instead of Saturday night. Because what are days anymore? What uh, Days are a foreign concept to me now. So... Regardless, I, I blew our debut by a day, but it's okay. You can watch it. It is on the Hockey Podcast Network's YouTube page. It is Goonline Gaming's episode number four, the Four Goal Fiesta. Uh, so look for look for Yakupov on the cover, and you'll have the right one. Um, <laughs> so no, that was a lot of fun, and uh, we are going to switch things up a little bit with our gaming content. Uh, we are actually going to... Kind of like the 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 old WWF mega powers explode. You know, we're actually going to um, do interdivisional games within the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to start it off with a series of games between um, us. When I when I say us, I mean me, you, and Michael Farley. 
representing the Central Division. He, of course, represents the Clean Skate Podcast, uh, Dallas Stars. You'll hear from him, actually, at the end of this episode. We had a nice chat with him. And uh, we're going to be taking on the Atlantic Division, which stars the uh, which stars the Ohio uh, Ottawa's Shane Ryan, uh, Bayou Benders, uh, formerly of the Devils. He got traded to uh, uh, Canada, uh, Montreal, for future considerations. And his uh, teammate uh, with Habs Nightly on the Hockey Podcast Network, Mason Dixon. So we're going to start playing those games here. We'll probably do a best of three or best of five. We still got to figure it out. But uh, some inter-THPN hockey wags. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it'll be best of three or best of five, depending on how long it takes us to beat them uh, squarely. That, be. That's what it comes down to. If, you know, if we if we lose two out of three, of course it's going to be best of five. We can't lose to the Atlantic. It's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun though. Yeah, uh, this- we played we played with these guys on the same team for a little bit. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to go up against them. We kind of know some of their tendencies, so that helps yeah. as well. That yeah. does, and, and just 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 to, you know, in case you haven't watched us, by the way, Wags, you are our right defenseman, uh, and then Farley is our left defenseman. Ordinarily, he plays on his off hands, so one of you two will have to move up to the wing, and then I I play center. And uh, I guess I guess for me, like what? How would you describe your play style? Uh, Ooh, I am get- more. I am definitely more conservative because I am older. I have slower reflexes, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't. I, I'm I'm one of those guys. Either I'm either going to get caught cherry picking, or I'm going to be hovering around center ice and pinching it a little bit, staying around the blue line, ripping the the slap shot from there, uh, making sure I'm able to get back on defense. Because you just just because it's a video game doesn't mean my uh, hockey playing in real life doesn't translate. I am still slow in video games. So it's so it's fair to say you're an Al McGinnis when he was 40. Uh, yes, I think I'm a 40-year-old Al McInnes, and I will take that comparison to the bank every single day. And I can and I can say that because Al McInnes admitted to me himself that he wasn't the best, best skater in the league, so I, I kid because I love. Um, me, I would probably put myself as kind of a, I don't think as skilled as Eric Lindros, but maybe more like a Keith Kachuk type. Where I go at the net, I basically you know look for rebounds, uh, try to screen the goalie, and then every now and then I just gotta kill a bitch. So you know I I I I'll, I'll run someone into the boards for no good reason just because it feels good, you know. It's, that fits our that fits our game plan perfectly then. Yeah right. Just 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 try to get in their heads a little bit. You know, hit them in the mind. As the Hanson brothers, uh, when you know, would say, so, uh, no, we we have a lot of fun, and I hope you join us. Uh, it's on the just follow our YouTube page, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, we even have a playlist going of our old games. So you can check us out there. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to do before we started um, uh, getting into our uh, bracket of our own here is there has been discussion about how to resume the NHL. It's been a lot of discussion, actually. And there's been a lot of ideas thrown out. And there was a report locally uh, that stated that the Blues, and more specifically St. Louis, was interested in becoming a host city for, um, you know, when hockey resumes, probably for the playoffs. And the idea would be to, you know, put a group of teams in four cities and just so that way, and uh, keep them in a hotel under, you know, kind of a quarantine. So, Things don't spread, and they would then they would play in empty arenas. Uh, you would still have broadcasts, you know, there, and you can still spread the cameras out and all that. So you know, you would maintain social distancing there. Um, first of all, what do you think of the idea of St. Louis as a as a host city for these games? I mean, I think it's perfect. Uh, they 
with the Centene Center opening up, they've got three more sheets of ice. And then you've got the ones in Chesterfield, too. So technically, you've got five sheets of ice plus, you know, Enterprise Center downtown that could all host games and or practices. Yeah. Uh, so that actually, I mean, the timing of it worked perfectly for these things to open up. Uh, the one thing that that kind of makes me pause a little bit is the lack of, of really consistent hotel usage around certain of those two areas. You know, Enterprise Center, it's perfect. They've got it locked down. There's there's plenty of places to stay down there. Which when you get out into that Maryland Heights Centene area and even in the Chesterfield area, you got a hotel here, hotel there, but nothing really concentrated. So that's where I could see it being a little bit of a a step back for the NHL when they look at it. But the goodwill that this city has brought with the Stanley Cup Finals and the Winter Classic and the All-Star Game and just everything that's been said good about St. Louis, how can you not put this sort of concept here in the Midwest? Uh, We're also centrally located between Chicago, Nashville, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado. You know, it's it's a perfect place to kind of put all those teams into a centralized spot. Uh, So why not and how come not? I mean, that that should be one of the first names at the top of the list. Well, one thing we keep talking about a lot in a bracket of our own is recency bias and and how that plays into the minds of voters. I think it played a little bit in some of the matchups this past week. We'll kind of talk about that in a, a little bit. But, I mean, if you want to talk about recency bias, I mean, who has a better case to host hockey games than St. Louis? I mean, uh, everyone raved about how St. Louis presented itself during the All-Star game. Uh, we showed the world that we love hockey and we are willing to turn out in droves for hockey and support it and back it up uh, during the Stanley Cup run and the parade that followed it. I mean, it was one of the better feel-good stories in all of hockey, really, in the past you know, you know, know, decade or so is the Blues finally getting their chance with Stanley. Um, so I, I think St. Louis has a good case for it. Whether they actually are chosen as a host city yet, I don't know. I am glad that we are kind of at a point in this discussion, Wags, where we're starting to kind of shift towards the likelihood of opening up uh, hockey again and the perhaps maybe more realistic idea of playing games again because it seems like the world is starting to kind of, you know, maybe detense a little bit and maybe open up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you're starting to see a lot of these states and cities reopen for certain instances now the other part that's going to make it tough for st louis to host is the governor came out and everything's opening up may 4th which would be today the day of our premiere of our show but the city isn't essentially following those guidelines so that would be the next thing to, to really look at is you know at what point does the city open up things to where it may not open fully but it will open up enough to allow four teams to come in here and then play down at enterprise center or what have you. So those are the other pieces that go into it as well. It's, you know, local and, you know, state jurisdictions, how those are playing out as well. So you're seeing West coast is probably going to stay closed for the most part. Some stuff in the Northeast is going to stay. So like New York is probably one of those places that wouldn't be able to host it. So now you may have to look at a Minnesota or something along those lines where they're opening things up but not widespread. So there's yeah. just so much that still goes into it. That's why it's so hard for me to believe that they're even going to finish this season because logistics are still just wild right now. Yeah, they really are. I can see like Vegas maybe opening up for, you know, games. I mean, that's a city set up with hotels and for entertainment and stuff like that. I can see Edmonton maybe hosting just because it's kind of remote and it's, you know, I mean, relative to, 
you know, other cities that are in the NHL. Uh, I've heard Dallas mentioned. We'll talk about that with Michael Farley here in a little bit. I could see him. I, I dare I say I could even see maybe even like a either Tampa or Miami as a possibility just because of how things are opening up down there. You know, it's just that they seem to be opening their their doors wide. But I do hope that um, I I have personal reasons why I would like to see St. Louis be picked as a host city, and I want I want to I want to preface this by saying that if St. Louis is a host city, I will gladly live blog my experience as a lonely fan inside Enterprise Center because I will I. Th- think I should be able to go to those games because I do have a press pass for the St. Louis Blues. And seeing as there's social distancing going on, I don't know if they'll open up the press box so reporters might have to sit throughout the arena. I could probably get a whole section to myself, Wags. You know, I'll be it'll, it'll be just me. It'll just it'll just be me in one section, like 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 it'll be like Castaway only for hockey. You know, just you know me and my me and my uh, hockey puck. Hockey I'll name puck. W- I'll name it Wilson. You know, I'll, I will name it Wilson. You know, after you know. No, no, no. You gotta name it. You gotta name it like Bauer. I'll, I'll or call it, uh, I'll, uh, Wayne. I'll call it Wayne. Wayne. Yeah, you know, Wayne. as an it's it, it, it's my great friend. It's my great friend Wayne the hockey puck. Uh, no, I. Uh, but no, I, I. I thought about that. It's like you know, how surreal would that be? You have NHL playoff <laughs> hockey going on below you, and there's 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 no one around. Uh, I, 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 will, be... I, will, I will blog that experience. I, I'll have some fun with it. That would be totally surreal because you know playoff hockey, the intensity that the that's on in the stadium. I've been to one NHL playoff game. It was the one game against Minnesota, game one that they lost. Uh, and even though it was a loss, it was still electric and even bigger than a normal regular season game. So that would be the surreal part of it is not having that. And, you know, it, it would kind of suck that it's in the summer because if in the winter time, I might have been able to like hide under your jacket and sneak in too. Yeah. But, you know, can't, uh, that, that can't happen in the summer. <laughs> no, not in the summer. I mean, you'll you'll pass out, you know, when you get to the gate because you're so hot and sweaty. Um, it'd be it'd be it'd be sad. Um, but, uh, you know, it, by the way, get to a playoff hockey game at some point, Wags, because I, you know, I, I went to a couple during the cup run and the most, the, the one that stands out to me, of course, is going to be Dallas game seven, double overtime. I was there for that. And I'm going to remind Farley of that when we talk to him here in just a little bit, he doesn't know that I didn't say anything about it. I'm going to, I'm going to blind, I'm, I'm, I'm a blindside check him. Like I'm playing goon line hockey on NHL 20. Uh, with that, because this week is the one-year anniversary of that. You know, on Thursday, it is the one-year anniversary of the Pat Maroon goal. So I still get goosebumps thinking about it and hearing it. Uh, did you see um, that the Blues came out with the ability for you to call your own? I think you sent me your version, or at least put it out yeah. there. You could actually call that play yes. as, the, as the play-by-play person. I still have to do it, it, but that is incredible. Was it that particular play? I gotta, ch- I gotta check that out. I did one. And it was for a Ryan O'Reilly goal, you know, where he ended up going coast to coast and uh, and and uh, scoring in overtime. It was against uh, Toronto. Toronto, yes, I was at yeah. that game. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, so I, I, but I do want to do the maroon goal. That's for sure. And just, it, it just there, there, there was no. I, I've said it many times before. I'll say it again. There was, there was no bigger emotional experience for me in my time as a Blues fan and as a hockey fan than double overtime game seven. Pat Maroon scoring against Dallas. The whole thing was just, and I, it took years off my life. 
but it was worth it was it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. Um, nothing like playoff hockey, but except except when it's playoff hockey with no fans, and I really wonder how that's gonna be how that's gonna play out. Um, we'll find out hopefully soon, and I'll let you know if I'm able to go see those games. Um, but in the meantime, uh, if you are sitting around your home right now, and you know, I I gotta admit, I gotta admit, wags. Being in this environment has probably destroyed my impulse control when it comes to buying, you know, crap off the internet. I've already added up a couple jerseys to my collection since I've this whole thing started. In fact, I actually got a Brett Hull Dallas Stars jersey from, you know, like around 2000 as a pro player. It's really nice. Um, but I didn't have to get it, but I'm sitting at home not doing nothing. Have you made any impulse buys like that, Wags? Um, not so much yet. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm right on the cusp though. Uh, well, discipline and, you know, I don't really, I, I work those three days, those 40 hours. So ah. I, two more, two days after that, I'm, I'm done. So by the time <laughs> I get into the, Hey, I'm going to start looking at spending money. I'm all, all of a sudden right back at work, unfortunately. But, uh, I have been, I have been looking, uh, I've been looking at the clown jerseys, which they're affectionately known as, yeah. um, and, and a couple other options as well. And, uh, I'm also looking for deals too. So any deals yes. out there will help. Yes, absolutely. And when and here's here's a deal for you, uh, Cool Hockey. We have partnered with them on a uh, special contest. So it's real simple. All you need to do is purchase a Cool Hockey jersey before June first using the promo code THPN for thirty percent off. THPN. The order must go through a uh, link that we have set up. Uh, it's actually pretty simple. It's CoolHockey.com/slash/THPN. I'll put the link. Uh, with this episode here on the Blue Notes Pod Twitter page. Uh, we'll also put it in the description for wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, that way we can track your order. And tell us uh, at Blue Notes Pod which jersey you ordered. That way we can connect your Twitter account and order for a special drawing. And that drawing is going to be for a $175 gift card to coolhockey.com, which effectively will probably pay for your jersey. Uh, if we get more participants, we'll probably go up to $200 on that gift card. It's real simple. Just order from CoolHockey.com with the link CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Use promo code THPN for 30% off uh, between now and June 1st, and you'll be entered for a drawing to basically get yourself a free hockey jersey. How about that? Um, Two for the price of one. Absolutely, absolutely, and nothing. And there, there's not a lot better than that. So uh, we'll put more details on our Twitter account at Blue Notes Pod, uh, and uh, good luck if you do decide to uh, take part in that. Um, and by the way, uh, this uh, we are going to go into a bracket of our own now, where we did the de- the defense and the goaltenders Sweet 16 matchups last week. We'll recap those, preview the. Uh, uh, before and after Brett Hall forwards regions uh, in the bracket coming up here. But first, uh, we couldn't do any of this without our friends at Manscaped. This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Manscaped has us covered. 
millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane! If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below the belt grooming. All right. Thanks a lot, Ish. And uh, now let's go in and go ahead into our bracket of our own results from the past week. And Wags, in terms of voting, um, this may have been the most interesting week out of all of our regions, all of our rounds so far. We had a lot of close votes. We had a lot of surprising votes. Uh, and it just... Run down the results for us, and I, and and we we should talk about these because these some of these surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, actually, to be perfectly honest, I think all four of them surprised me. Not so much who won, but how they won. Yeah. Uh, well, starting with the defense, uh, Chris Pronger and Bob Plager. Chris Pronger won a hundred percent to zero. <laughs> wow! Don't don't we look dumb? I, we thought that Plager would at least get something and, and put up a little bit of a fight because, you know, he beat Bob Gasoff, He beat Barkley Plager. His just what he's done for the organization. He's been a blue essentially his entire life. We thought that people would look at it and be like, OK, it's Bobby. A couple yeah. of people are going to vote for him, right? No. Yeah. Chris Pronger, 100 <laughs> percent. My mind is blown. He's going to be hard to beat. I think Pronger will be. He is, and, and the one guy that could beat him is his former defensive partner, Al McKinnis, who beat Alex Petrangelo 58-42%. to 42%. That, uh, one, that was one was close. Super close. I mean, that it, it looked for a while it might be Petro knocking off Chopper. Uh, that's how close it was. And then I think McKinnis got some late votes to kind of put him over. That was a real tight matchup. And we, we that one didn't surprise us, Wags. I mean, because we thought that might have been the closest matchup of this uh, this week and uh, really it, it, it just because I think it just boiled down to the fact that they're very hard to separate. They are. Uh, they're, they're essentially the same type of player. You know, Petrangelo doesn't have McKinnis's shot, but McKinnis, I don't think, had has Petrangelo's defensive capabilities. Yes, McKinnis won a Norris trophy and Petrangelo hasn't. But when I think about Alex Petrangelo on the defensive end, He's in my mind. He's always coming out of the of the end with the puck. McKinnis, yeah. you never got that feeling, despite him being a great defensive player. So you know they don't have the same sort of skill set, but they are essentially the same kind of person. They're they're soft spoken. They're leaders on the team. They're not brash. They're not you know super physical, but they can be when they when they need to be. Uh, so they're they're essentially the same person. We thought that Petrangelo would get a little bit of the bump because of the Stanley Cup victory, and I think he did. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes down to it, McKinnis is a is a Hall of Famer, and yeah. and Petrangelo is not there yet. Yes. Uh, if we're just if we're comparing them post careers for both of them, uh, this could be a Petrangelo win because of the Stanley Cup in St. Louis. But uh, but it, it was as close as we thought it was going to be. 
Definitely, and you, and you hit it right on the head there, which is, you know, the, I think the biggest difference in a lot of people's minds was when you're asked, hey, is Al McInnes a Hall of Famer? Well, yeah, easily. Duh, hello, he is. I mean, that's he's Al McInnes. And then when you ask, is Alex Petrangelo a Hall of Famer? I think a lot of people are like, well, not yet. And that's and that's the, that's that's the question mark that Petro still has to answer for himself, which I think I think eventually he will be at this rate, but he's just not there yet. And yeah, so I, I think agree. I think that, I think that was the only difference between those two. So, but another close matchup for sure. And then on the goaltending side of things, how did how did that go? Uh, very, very, very close, surprisingly. Uh, in the one four matchup, Jordan Bennington and Curtis Joseph. Bennington eked out a 54 to 46 win. That thing, that thing was back and forth the entire day. At one point, you know, I think you, you tweeted out uh, before you went to bed that night, Curtis Joseph was up, but overnight Bennington overtook him and took the lead. And that's ended up the lead that held, uh, but it was back and forth pretty much the entire day. Um, are you surprised at how close that was, to, to, especially considering Bennington won a Stanley Cup? I couldn't believe how close it was. I mean, when we did the episode last week, you know, previewing that matchup, I seriously, I could not come up with a case for how Cujo could beat Jordan Bennington. I mean, because Cujo was very good in his time, but he didn't have the cup, uh, you know, and he he didn't quite have the uh, the numbers, um, you know, that, um, uh, you know, that, that, that helps Bennington. Um, we actually did, and I asked people for their, for their comments on the matchup. We did have someone actually text our, uh, Blue Notes fan line, 314-329-4349. Um, he says, quote, I voted Cujo. It wasn't a, a clear or easy choice, and I'm not sure I made the right one. In the end, I went with non-rational emotional reasoning. Cujo was the goalie of my childhood, so I will always have warm feelings for him. And Cujo gets credit for a little bit of the shine from Bennington and helping to take him to, by inspiring him as a kid in Toronto. Bennington is still too new to know if he will end up as good a goalie as with one legendary half season or truly the best Blues goalie ever. But for now, today, my vote is with Cujo. That was actually from uh, uh, John Flavin, one of our uh, supporters uh, on uh, Twitter. Um, he called the fan line. And then we also had some other reactions uh, from Blues fans. I actually uh, actually made the call to, um, you know, I, I just simply asked people, why are you going with Cujo? What's, what's the reasoning? What's the mentality here? And I'm stalling a little bit because I need to actually pull that tweet back up here uh, where I asked that question. Um, but, I mean, looking back at John's answer, I mean, you know, we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, I think simply put, you know, I think John spoke for a lot of voters for Cujo in that, you know, Cujo was a man growing up. I think a lot of a lot of our listeners are around our age wags and we grew up with Cujo in net. We thought Cujo was an unbeatable monster in, in net growing up. And I think it literally was just kind of it, it felt like a nostalgic vote. Yeah, 100% agree. And you know, just even looking back at that time frame, you still had goaltenders that were I wouldn't say straight laced but they were generic in a sense because it was just guys with names all of a sudden you got this guy in St. Louis who's going by the name of Cujo and when you think of Cujo it's it's you know with the Stephen King the, the rabid dog and then you see him fighting goaltenders other goaltenders out there and you're just like 
dude, this guy plays for our team. He's exciting to watch. He's making unbelievable saves. He's just, like you said, it's nostalgia. No question, because that's what we grew up with. And it was an exciting time. It was part of the time when Hall and Oates and Shanahan were here. And then you got other guys coming in. And it just, it, it was a great golden time of hockey for St. Louis, uh, despite not winning a Stanley Cup. And I get a different emotional reaction when I think about Curtis Joseph than I do about when I think about Jordan Bennington. When I yeah. think about Bennington, it's like, dude, he won us a Stanley Cup. That is an unbelievable thing. But then I think about Cujo, I'm like, Cujo, that makes me, I, I just have happy thoughts when I think of Cujo. And he never won a Stanley Cup. We barely, we made like what, one Western Conference final with Curtis, Curtis Joseph um, as our goaltender. So, it wasn't that winning was there. It was just that that feeling when Cujo was in net that you had a chance to win every single night. Yeah. Uh, Neil Vill- uh, Villapiano, who is actually joining the network as our uh, new uh, New Jersey Devils host, more details on that coming up. Uh, he responded, um, you know, and he's a Devils fan, so he has kind of a uh, uh, unbiased uh, uh, opinion just as, as a hockey fan in general. He says, Bennington was a huge reason in bringing the Stanley Cup to St. Louis, but he's still young and has the chance to become elite in years to come. Cujo was clutch for his entire time with the Blues IMO and helped the Blues be super competitive in the tough Western Conference during the 90s. And that's fair. I think Cujo was a big part of those really good early 90s teams, and you really can't deny uh, his contribution to them. I mean, I mean, how, how many times have we said it? You can't go anywhere without a good goalie. And Cujo was was one of the best goalies in his time, you know, at least in that in that early period. On the flip side, we have Ron Finger checking in, basically saying, Biddington has the record for the most wins in the Stanley Cup playoffs with 16. Cujo swept the Hawks once. Not even sure why this is a contest. Biddington is the greatest goalie of all time. He can only be tied. End quote. So yeah, just that, that if that doesn't show you the kind of emotions I think that played into this vote I don't know what else will well I'll, I'll say this and I said this back when um, Jordan Bennington was just now starting as a blue um, back before really as the run was starting that that 11 game win streak I compared Jordan Bennington to Cam Ward uh, you know Cam Ward came in his rookie year was a sensation uh, you know re- relieved in net for Carolina and took him and won the Stanley Cup uh, and actually, that was I, be, I believe that was the record that Bennington broke was Cam Ward's record of wins in the uh, in the playoffs. And that's that's the thing that can kind of scare me a little bit. And that's why I think some people may have voted for Curtis Joseph, because Cam Ward did what he did. And Cam Ward's been a decent goaltender the rest of his career, but he never got back to the promised land. He never right. has led Carolina back. Um, not to say that Jordan Biddington can't, but that is a pathway that he could be going down where he could be a very good serviceable goaltender, but may not do anything else ever again, as far as winning a Stanley cup. Joseph, on the other hand, he's a legend in St. Louis. He's a legend in Toronto and he did well in Detroit as well. And, and a couple other stops. So Edmonton as well. I, he actually, I think he's probably a legend in Edmonton as well. So that's where I think you can kind of look at it is Cujo, throughout his career, despite not essentially winning a Stanley Cup, especially in St. Louis, he's a legend in three or four different cities. Whereas Jordan Bennington, yes, he's won a cup, 
but it's still so early that it could go the Cam Ward route where all of a sudden he finds that at the end of his career, he's a backup in like Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's uh, it, it just interesting arguments and, and, and just a heck of a matchup that was for sure. And then our, our final matchup was Grant Fuhr and Mike Liute. And, and how'd that go, Wags? Uh, Grant Fuhr won 62-38. to 38. Uh, That one was pretty close for most of the day as well. And then Fuhr started to pull away. Uh, and I think that's a lot of that is kind of that recency bias as well. Fuhr was most recent with the Blues as far as that's concerned. Uh, but a lot of people still don't know about Mike Liute, about yeah. how good he is. He's the wins leader of the Blues all time. How can you not know about Mike Louis? Like Mike Louis? Oh my gosh, I cannot Liute. say it. Liute. Mike Liute. You don't even know how to say his name. Exactly. I mean, in, until I started becoming a, a student of the Blues organization, I looked at it and I was like, Mike, what? I, yeah. I don't know how to say that name. Lyutes, and lo, and behold, uh, uh, lo and behold, he's the, the all time leader in wins. Mike Litt. Mike right, Litt. Oh, that, that, uh, I just realized what I said. Um, moving on. <laughs> my, mo- moving on. Uh, all right. So we got a before and after hold forwards in this one here. Now that I've repulsed our fans. Uh, go ahead and run down the matchups for Sweet 16. Yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. Uh, all right. So for the... <laughs> The before hall bracket, uh, we, we pretty much got chalk. One through four have advanced. Uh, so you got the one-four matchup of Bernie Federko versus Red Berenson. And in the bottom half of the bracket, you have uh, number two C Brian Sutter going up against Gary Unger. Uh, so two very, very good matchups when it comes to the before hall bracket. Uh, in the after hall bracket, you're going to be looking at once again uh, – three of the top four making it. Uh, the one big surprise is Ryan O'Reilly moving on to face Brett Hall as the 12 seed. And then you have two seed Vladimir Tarasenko going up against the number three seed, Keith Kachuk. All right. I, th- I can, and of course, after last week, I feel my predictions as to how these matches will play out are absolute rubbish and probably will not happen. But I think there's one match I think that I think one guy can say is pretty safe. And that is Bernie Federko. And that's our first matchup, uh, Bernie Federko against Red Berenson. Um, quite simply put, Federko's a Hall of Famer. Berenson is not, although he was uh, he's definitely, I, if he's not in the College Hockey Hall of Fame for his coaching, I he should be um, for leading Michigan for so long. Berenson was a good player. Uh, he, you know, as, a, as we've said before, he's, you know, played 519 games for the Blues. 172 goals, 240 assists for 412 points. He was very instrumental in the uh, first few years the Blues were in the league when they went to the Cup Finals for uh, three straight years, and and he also uh, was traded for Gary Unger, which I consider a bit of a contribution. Uh, but Federko was fantastic. You know, a lot of people only know Federko as that guy you see on TV during Blues games, but. Federko was a fantastic player for the Blues. 352 goals, 721 assists. He had 1,073 points in 927 games in the Blue Nose. He was over a point-per-game guy. Uh, He never won any real big awards, but he was kind of always in the periphery of them and was just a heck of a player. Uh, He was the face of the Blues in the 1980s. I I, I feel this one's pretty safe for Bernie. I think you're right on that. Because he is so prominent on Blues broadcast, people know a lot more about Bernie Federko than they do about Red Berenson. Uh, Red Berenson was a great player for the Blues. Uh, I mean, I think you even talked about it. He was brought over him and Barkley Plager and one of the biggest, you know, fleecings of the Rangers. 
that that we've seen. Uh, so, and he was a great player. He led to Gary Unger coming here, uh, but no question, Bernie Federko, what he's done for the Blues and what he did for the Blues far outshadows anything that Red Berenson ever did. And, and Red Berenson's a great coach, a great player, but Bernie Federko is, in my mind, just as important as, as Bobby Plager to the Blues organization. And with Plager now out, Bernie's got to be the representative, right? Yeah, it has to be at this point. I don't think it's much of a contest. And I, and I think the fact that he meant so much to the organization is why, for our next matchup, I think Gary Unger knocks off Brian Sutter. Uh, Unger is the number three seed. Brian Sutter is the number two seed. Gary Unger, as much as Bernie Federko led the Blues in the 80s and was kind of the face of the franchise, Gary Unger led the Blues in the 1970s. Now, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, but the Blues in the 1970s sucked. Well, yeah, that's true. But there was an old saying about Gary Unger. As Gary Unger went, so did the Blues. He carried his that team on his back. He uh, he played eight, 662 games in total for the Blues, 292 goals, 283 assists for 575 points. Yes, he was a minus 113. Again, the teams he played for were utter trash. Uh, the, 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 the 70s for the Blues were not a good era at all. And he meant so much to this team and this franchise, and I don't think he gets nearly enough credit that he deserves for it. His number, in my opinion, should be hanging from the rafters. He's he was that good. Brian Sutter was good as well. I mean, he uh, his his number does hang from the rafters. Uh, he played 779 games to the Blues, 303 goals and three uh, 333 assists for 636 points. A mean, nasty player too. 1,786 penalty minutes as well. And but he was kind of regarded with the Blues as a leader, and I think I think history looks, you know, Blues fans and Blues players alike from that era look back on him very favorably for that, and and deservingly so. But he didn't. Sutter, in my opinion, did not carry the Blues like Unger did, because Sutter he still played when Federko was there. Federko was there to help carry the team, and then you had guys like Joey Mullen and and Doug Gilmore coming into the mix. Uh, Mike Leute, you know, in, was in that era as well. Gary Unger didn't have any of that. He had nothing to work with in the '70s, and he was still one of the better players in the NHL. I I think I I am I am personally will be picking Gary Unger. I and I think he'll beat Brian Sutter here. I still think it could be a close matchup, but. I just I, I like Unger in this one. What do you think? I think you can make a very, very strong argument for Unger because you like you said, you look at those teams in the seventies and they were just absolutely terrible. And the fact that you look at Unger and people know who he is. Um, you know, you you searched forever to find a seventies goaltender to fit in our bracket and it was unbelievably hard. How do you find a goaltender that's terrible and put him on a bracket of best blues of all time. And yet Gary Unger rose above it. He missed, he missed like eight total games in the time that he played here in St. Louis. So Iron Man, And, and you know, you look at, and it's hard to compare now to then, but you look at some days, some players now that if their team was that bad, they wouldn't be continuously putting themselves in the lineup. They'd have maintenance days. They'd have, you know, what if it load management days and things like that. Unger just went out there and he knew he was the leader of that team and he played and he played and he played and he gave his best every single game. You can say the same thing about Brian Sutter, but 
you made the great point is he had help. He had a, a Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, and then he had a Mullen and a Gilmore. And at the very end, I believe Hall was here as well. Yes. So it, it's, you know, Sutter had the help. And then he, you could also throw in that he coached and he coached very well for the Blues in his time frame here as well. Yeah. But what Unger did for the Blues in the 70s essentially kept them here in St. Louis. And if not for Gary Unger, we may not be talking about a Brian Sutter in St. Louis. We may not even be talking about a Bernie Federko in St. Louis. So Gary Unger did more for the Blues. And I hate saying this, did more than Brian Sutter, even though Brian Sutter did a ton. I think Unger wins this matchup. And like you said, it'll be close, but it's going to be Unger for me too. Yeah, there have been there have been matchups and votes where I strongly advocated for someone like an Al McGinnis or like Pierre Turgeon over Tarasenko. But this is probably my one vote, my one vote in this entire bracket that I would consider a hill I will die on. Uh, I I I am strongly backing Gary Unger in this one, and I and I and I hope he wins, and I think he will. But um, yeah, he just he deserves so much credit for what he did in the seventies. But that's the before hole forwards. Now we're going to go to the after hole forwards, and our first matchup includes Hall. Uh, the one and only Brett Hall. Uh, we have number one Brett Hall taking on number 12 Ryan O'Reilly. We can't talk about this matchup, Wags, without talking about the path that Ryan O'Reilly has taken to get to this point. No, I'm not talking about his career path. I mean, that's a whole episode. Um, but we're talking about how he got to the Sweet 16 as the lowest seed out of any player in our brackets. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, we um, clapped David Backus in the first round, 87 to 13. He then took out fan favorite and sentimental hero Pavel Dimitra, the number four seed, 67 to 33 in the second round. And now he takes on a Brett Hall. And we were talking wags a little bit about, you know, how Brett Hall. It, and and just you know and and his effect on the organization a little bit, but we also talked a little about recency bias as well, and this is kind of like Exhibit A for how strong is recency bias in this voting here, because I reckon there's probably some fans that are listening to this right now or they're following us on Twitter that only know Brett Hall as that drunk guy from the from the parade you know last year. Whereas Ryan O'Reilly was the guy that won all the trophies that helped set up the parade. Um, I want to say this one should go fairly handily to Brett Hall, but Ryan O'Reilly has kind of been the Cinderella darling of this tournament so far, and he has beaten two guys that I thought should have beaten him. Um, I'm going Hall, but I... I almost don't feel so. I wouldn't feel surprised, Wags, if O'Reilly's got got the Cinderella win here. What do you think? I agree one hundred percent. And it's funny. I was just looking at once again his pathway for Ryan O'Reilly, and I'm almost comparing it to his career path. You know, you look at his matchup with with David Backus, and you could compare that to his time in Colorado. You know, it was a guy that you didn't know a whole lot about, and then he was just phenomenal. And then he gets traded to Buffalo. And just like the matchup with Pavel Dimitra, he's good, but you don't really, you didn't really think too much about that matchup. And that's why it was a little bit closer, 67-33. Now all of a sudden he moves on to face Brett Hall, uh, one of those insurmountable tasks leading the Blues to a Stanley Cup championship. 
if he beats Brett Hall, that would be in the same vein, would it not? Oh, d- definitely. It'd be, it'd be an all-timer, um, you know, and it's it would be very similar, you know, kind of just, you know, overcoming adversity that, that Ryan O'Reilly has had to overcome in his career. I just, were it, were it, if Ryan O'Reilly were taking on the other two players that are in our bracket right now, Keith Kachuk and Vladimir Tarasenko, I would have an easier time making an argument for Ryan O'Reilly to beat those two. This is Brett Hall we're talking about yep. here. This is the guy, as as you have pointed out many times, built St. Louis an arena. You know, he is the reason why the Blues started to thrive financially, finally, after some hard years, you know, the Gary Younger years and the, you know, early 80s with Sutter and Federico. They were still financially decrepit up until the late 80s. And then, you know, Brett Hall comes along and changes the trajectory of the entire franchise. And, you know, it took us a while to get there, but he helped aim us towards the Stanley Cup win that we have now because his good play uh, excited fans, brought them to the arena. Suddenly the team's making money. And then you have in the mid-90s, the Blues assembling, you know, just some of the most amazing rosters in terms of names. I mean, you're talking about guys, you know, that came and went like Adam Oates, uh, you know, Brendan Shanahan. You had, you know, even 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 the, some some crazy old names like Glenn Anderson, uh, Dale Howardchuck, Craig McTavish, Al McGinnis. Um, you know, it, it just it just everything changed when Brett Hall walked into St. Louis. Um, and you know, his on ice contributions, I mean, you all know Brett Hall, hopefully by now. I mean, multiple 50 plus goal scorer, one time scored 86 goals in a season. Um, you know, you, you I I feel this it just while Ryan O'Reilly's story has been great to tell and he deserves every little bit of uh, credit that goes towards his way, he's not Brett Hall. And that's and to me that's the the difference here. No, Brett Hall did not give St. Louis the cup, but he gave St. Louis uh, a team that he, he put the team on financial backing and gave us a franchise that we love. Yeah, he gave us he gave us the ability to become the team that we are now. Uh, exactly. he, he, he laid the platform essentially. I mean, you talk about him building the arena. He, he basically is the ground floor of this team that we're at now. Everything rests on his shoulders. Um, you know, he was the first, he's really the first marketable hockey star in the Midwest. I mean, you can talk about some of the guys in Chicago or, I mean, Detroit's kind of Midwest as well, but Brett Hall was the first marketable Midwestern hockey player in the NHL. Um, you know, he, he I still remember the comic books that McDonald's had with the golden bread yes. in the future. Uh, so, I mean, the fact you don't, you're not going to see that with, Oh, my dad had them and he wouldn't let me open them because yeah. he wanted to keep them in, in, in condition. <laughs> my dad was but, the same, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, Brett Hall, Ryan O'Reilly stands on the shoulders of Brett Hall in a sense. Uh, he would not be here if not for Brett Hall. And, as much as I think this could be a competition because of what O'Reilly did in the, in the one year he, he was here, essentially, Brett Hall is, for me, the greatest blue of all time. And that kind of gives away, I think, how the voting for me is going to go the rest of the way. Exactly. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, and, and I see that as well. I mean, it's going to be very hard to pick against Brett Hall here. Although he's going to come up with some some interesting matchups here pretty soon. Like if he if he wins this matchup, then he'll take on the winner of Tarasenko and uh, Kachuk. 
And then after that, he's going to be taking on the best from the era before him, you know, which which could be a Bernie Federico, it could be a Gary Unger, and then you're talking about facing against in the finals a you know maybe maybe goes up against a Chris Pronger or a or a Jordan Bennington. I mean, it's 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 now we're starting to see how the finals and the championship might shake up here. So uh, we'll see. I mean, up until this point, Brett Hall has swept his way. Uh, one of uh, just a couple players that have swept their way to get to this point. Oddly enough, two other players that the only other other two players that have swept their way to get to where they are now were Bernie Federico and Gary Unger, and those two, and those two are facing each other uh, right now. So that's uh, so that, that that's just kind of goes to show you how interesting the matchups are at this point. Uh, finally, uh, one that I think will be pretty close, and it's it's actually pretty close when you look at the stats, but just in general. I'm I'm curious how fans still view Keith Kachuk in this one. Uh, it's Keith Kachuk, the number three seed, taking on the number two seed, Vladimir Tarasenko, because Kachuk was a big fan favorite. So was Tarasenko. I mean, I, that's not to take away from Tarasenko, um, but this is going to be a close matchup in a lot of ways. Uh, Kachuk was the face of the franchise in the 2000s. Uh, Tarasenko probably the face of the franchise in the 2010s. Um, similar stats. Um, in uh, nine years in the Blue Note, uh, Kachuk played 543 games, 208 goals, 219 assists for 427 points. Tarasenko has played eight years for the Blues, 507 games played, 214 goals. So he has uh, six more goals than Kachuk. And then 214 assists. So he has five less than Kachuk. And he has, and Tarasenko has a total of 428 points, which is one more point than Kachuk had during his nine-year career in St. Louis. I didn't realize they were that close in production until I saw that, Wags. Yeah, and it goes back to your point that you made last week when we were talking with the guys from Colorado is what does Tarasenko actually mean to this team? Uh, you know, we saw they're able to win without him throughout most of this year. Uh, and with Kachuk being so much of, a, of the lifeblood of the Blues, it, it really it makes this inter- this matchup very, very interesting. The, the one thing going against Kachuk is the fact that he played on some pretty poor teams as well. He yeah. also had the lock, a couple of lockouts to deal with too. Um, so he could have had more, more points. He could have had more goals, more assists. Uh, but you also look at the flip side. He was also a guy that they were able to trade and get some stuff for, and then he came back. So his connections to St. Louis are so deep that he wanted to come back. He still lives here. His kids live here. They grew up here. Uh, You know, know, Brady and Matthew have been doing stuff online from St. Louis uh, during this whole lockout uh, quarantine edition. Uh, So it's going to be tough because Kachuk, meant so much to this organization during those 2000 years and and Tarasenko was seen as a savior but now you look at the numbers and you go how much of a savior has he actually been Uh, so it's a very it's a very tough argument to make on either side the the only thing I'll say in kind of counter to that though is I, I look at the trajectories of the Blues during their times here and Kachuk couldn't prevent the Blues from going downwards, you know. But that wasn't his fault. I mean, you know, you had Bill Laurie, you know, being the idiot that he was, selling Chris Pronger for peanuts, you know, just because he wanted to try to unload the Blues because he couldn't get an NBA team to go with it. Um, and the team went down for a while. 
Um, granted, and, and Kachuk didn't have as much to, to work with, so maybe that makes his numbers seem even better in comparison. Tarasenko, Tarasenko, on the other hand, though, he picked up kind of where where Kachuk left off. You know, you know, he 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 came into the league a couple years after, uh, just like two or three years after Kachuk retired, and all of a sudden the tra- the trajectory of the Blues changes and it goes upwards and it goes towards that Stanley Cup win. And Tarasenko was a big reason for that. I mean, he was the offensive guy. Uh, the main source of offense to the Blues. He's the guy that got on the NHL 17 cover, you know, at EA Sports. He's the guy where when you want a Blues jersey, you t- you you know you tend to go for a Tarasenko at first. Uh, there's a reason for that, you know, and and I think it's you know last week I kind of brought up the question of you know how much does Tarasenko truly mean to this team because the team's still doing well with with him injured. Um, I think I, I think you can say he still means a lot to this team. I mean, he still means, I mean, he meant a lot. Maybe he doesn't mean as much now because he has support around him. But, like, you can't deny that, like, in 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, that era, you know, as the, as, as, you know, we said, as Gary Unger wins, so did the Blues. As Tarasenko wins, so did the Blues in the mid 2010s, I think. Uh, so I don't think you can, you, you can't deny Tarasenko's impact, um, you know, for, for the team so far. Just now he has support. Kachuk never got that support, and I mean, hmm. I, I I just to me, I, I look at the direction not just of where their careers have gone, but also just the team in general, and I give the edge to Tarasenko on this one. As much as I, and it kind of hurts for me to say that because Kachuk was one of my favorite players. Uh, in fact, my first adult hockey jersey that I got, um, besides my you know mid nineties Gretzky. Uh, was a Blues Kachuk jersey, and there was a reason for that. It's because I love Keith Kachuk. I love the way he plays. My and as I said earlier, when I play, you know, online hockey, my style is like Keith Kachuk. You know, and there's a reason for that because I admire Keith Kachuk. But I just, I just think the 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 sky's brighter, the sun's out when Tarasenko is in terms of Blues history. Whereas Kachuk played kind of in a dark era. And while he was good, couldn't influence the Blues to do better. I, I, that, that, does, that doesn't sound fair to say, but it's just that's why I'm going with Tarasenko. I just, I, just I, I think Tarasenko helped the Blues lift out of that divot that they were in. You know, whereas whereas Kachuk, great player, probably kept the Blues from being worse, um, but still played in a bad era. That's that's really the only reason I'm going Tarasenko here. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Tarasenko as well. And you know, we talked about Hall with him being a marketable hockey star in the Midwest. You know, it went from Hall, it went to Chris Pronger. He was marketable. Um, he was a guy that the NHL put out there. And then the Blues didn't really have that again until Tarasenko. I mean, you look at the fact that the NHL is really kind of keyed in on him being a marketable figure, um, you know, along the likes of an Ovechkin and a Crosby. I mean, not, not at the same level, not at the same tier, uh, but he is the guy that they spotlight whenever they're talking about the St. Louis Blues. So the fact that he's somebody that, that the NHL and the NHL community views as a marketable person, someone to watch out for, you have to look at it and say, yeah, he, he is, and that's why he's somebody that you want to build your team around. Um, and, yes, he's got support now, so maybe his role has diminished a little bit. But I tell you what, you talk to any Hawks player, Avalanche player, Predator, Dallas Star, Minnesota Wild, 
I bet you not one single one of those guys or one of those goaltenders would want to sit there and say, yeah, Tarasenko is the guy I want to have the puck at, at a critical moment because <laughs> he's, he's going to snipe you and he's going to score. Um, you know, you couldn't say the same thing about Kachuk. Yes, he, he scored some timely goals and he, he did a lot of things for the Blues, but with the game on the line, who do you want with the, the puck on their stick? Kachuk or Tarasenko? And, and that, that's where it comes for me is it's Tarasenko. Yeah. Yeah, that and I agree with you. I mean, that's it's in terms of pure hockey talent. I don't think there's any question Tarasenko wins. And it's not to say that Kachuk was a bad player. No, he just he just had his style, and he got a lot of his. He did a lot of his, you know, a lot of dirty work, you know, in front of the net, which has its place in the game, and it has and 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 it has its skill set for sure. But um, you know, if if you were to like replay the NHL skills competition, for instance, and put Tarasenko and Kachuk together, uh, Tarasenko probably wins pretty easily so i'm just imagining a fastest skater competition between the two. Oh gosh I, I, I i'm imagining like matthew and brady pushing their dad down the ice you know to try to match speed with terrace with tarasenko that would that would that would not be pretty <laughs> <laughs> kid chuck would would would, would push for a, a food eating competition in, in that as well probably oh. just to at least have a chance right oh, tarasenko would, would 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 get smashed in a food eating competition there's no doubt there is no doubt i mean it, it, you know what and with and with kachuk the good thing is you don't need front teeth to be able to you know munch down hot dogs that's very very true i i, I don't want to think about how that's possible but that's very true well, I'm. You can probably ask some people in Lima who don't have their front teeth how it's done, and uh, you know, practice that way. You know. <laughs> oh so, gosh. Ab- apologies if you live in Lima. I, I, I have, but you know what? I have friends in Lima. They would probably agree with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what makes it okay. If you have it's friends okay, that would agree fine. with it, it's fine. I, 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 I kid because I love. So. All right, we'll have these matchups for you on the Blue Notes Pod Twitter account uh, starting on Monday at noon. We'll start off with the before hole bracket this time. Last week, I kind of flipped the brackets around. That was that was just me having my head up my butt. But um, this week, I will tell you, we will start off with the before hole brackets. And uh, the first matchup will be, drum roll please, number one, Bernie Federko versus number four, Red Berenson. Tuesday will be Brian Sutter against Gary Unger. And then for uh, Wednesday, it will be Brett Hall versus Ryan O'Reilly. And then our last and certainly not least, because it could be our most interesting of the four, Vladimir Tarasenko against Keith Kachuk on Thursday. So make sure you're following at Blue Notes Pod for that. Uh, Wags, any final thoughts? Uh, Just getting excited for the fact that we might be having hockey here sooner than we think. Uh, Let's just keep pushing to being uh, healthy, washing our hands, get to a point where we can actually go out and enjoy hockey. So stay safe out there and, and just keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, that's going to be it for our portion of this podcast. At this point, though, we do have a Blue Notes face-off of the week. We had a chance to sit down and chat with Michael Farley of the Clean Skate Podcast, uh, representing all things Dallas Stars. And so we wanted to catch up with him, see how he's hanging in uh, during this whole lockout And uh, we have that for you right now. Play that music. And that music means we have a Blue Notes face-off of the week. And we are facing off this time with The Farley on Twitter. That is his uh, handle, T-H-E-E Farley. Uh, The Farley is actually... Michael Farley of the Clean Skate Podcast. You've heard him on this program. He's probably our most 
I would say probably our most frequent guest here on Blue Notes. I think you've, you hold that title. Uh, Michael, how's it going, man? Well, it's an honor to be back and, uh, you know, uh, frenemies uh, all, again. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's always nice to be chatting. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I understand that uh, you just got off the line with another one of our friends of the program, uh, Brad Baroud of uh, Flames Unfiltered. Yes, I did. He, uh, he, he, he sends his warmest regards to all your fans. Um, uh, and it, it sounds like he is also struggling with this lack of hockey. So. Well, he's, he's up in Minot, North Dakota, which having lived in North Dakota myself, I can tell you it's not, it, it can't be too warm. Uh, those regards anyway uh, I even, did I did I did ask him about the weather he said it was is not not warm no it, it, they, they they take a while to, to to really warm up they're probably about a month behind the rest of the continent honestly mm-hmm. um, but they do get pretty hot in August I will say it does get kind of steamy up there but that's like the one month you know they have they have two seasons up there they have winter and then they have road construction up there hey. so it's pretty much it See, I get it, it's, but it's, it's about the exact reverse here where I am. It's, uh, it's, about, it's summer for about two months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're down in Florida. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you, uh, you, you, get, you get summer, and then you get kind of this weird spring-fall hybrid. But you we don't get really... summer, and then we get all the Canadians. Summer and Canadians. Okay, got it. Got it. Nice. That this is... Got to be careful about that, that Canadian infestation, you know, in January. <laughs> Um, uh, of course, of course, when I lived in Indiana, that was always the Canadian geese for us. So, you know, that will always come down, but regardless, um, we're here to talk about hockey or at least the hockey, uh, that we wish that we were playing right now. And by the way, Michael, there was a little bit of an ulterior motive for me bringing you on for this particular week's episode of blue notes. So, okay. So if you are your listener, and you are mm-hmm. listening to this on Thursday, you would be listening in on the, the one-year anniversary of Pat Maroon's goal in Game 7, double overtime, <laughs> last year. Um, so I, I, I hate to do it to you, Farley, but that's, that's, that, was, that was my ulterior motive. It's, it's a fond memory up here. You're, you're blindsided me. You did this to me last time, and now you're doing this to me again. It's, this is brutal. Well, you know what? It's it's okay because I, I feel that was the receipt for you guys taking Brett Hall from us back in the late nineties. Uh, okay, that that okay. The, the bill came due. The bill came due last year. Um, by the way, speaking of Brett Hall, you know, I, I wanna wanna talk about something you're doing here. So okay. you you got you we've got a bracket of our own up here where we're trying to whittle down the best blues player of all time. We are in the sweet 16 right now, about halfway through it. Brett Hall will be uh, up in voting this week. Of course, he's our number one seed. He goes up against Ryan O'Reilly this week. Um, He's also up in your voting as well. And uh, I understand he's made it pretty far too. Uh, Yeah. So I did it a little differently. It sounds like you guys are going for the best blues player of all time. So you're looking for, there can only be one. I'm doing more of a lineup style. So I'm trying to put together four lines of offense and uh, um, some defense and some goaltenders to put together, you know, our, our most optimized stars lineup here. And so I started off, uh, we, we did, we did some wingers facing off little head to head matchups. Um, Brett Hall easily passed through the first round. And then he unfortunately ran into a very hot Yarmir Yager in the second round and, and, and lost out. Um, but but he was he was incredible on the stars. I mean, listen, the guy was a goal scorer 
that's what he was paid to do. He put pucks in the net. How can you not like that? Yeah, I I know Yager played basically all over the place. I, I keep forgetting Wags that he played for Dallas. That, that seems like a very odd spot for him. Yeah, yeah it, he, it, he, it was weird. I couldn't. I when he said Yager, I was like, "Wait, he played for the Stars? I don't even remember that." And the fact that he played, he beat Brett Hall, who won Dallas a Stanley Cup. That's a little interesting. You got some interesting fans down there. I think so far it's um it, it's a broad spectrum, but I think what what happened here is is like Yager is you know because. He didn't. He didn't play a ton for the stars. However, Yager is just one of those fan favorites. No matter where he goes, the the dude's an absolute icon of of hockey. So I think that people see his name on a pole, and you could put almost anyone up against him, and Yager's gonna win. Yeah, definitely. And I was. I remember when the Blues were looking at signing Yarmir Yager uh, a couple years ago. It would have been before his last stop in Calgary. He ultimately chose Calgary because he wanted to play for a Canadian team before his career was done. He hadn't up until that point, but I was so ready to go to the Blues team store and get myself a Blues Yager jersey because, let's face it, it's Yarmir freaking Yager. You know, the guy yeah. The guy is the cool man, cool hair. I mean, and he was also like, you know, this would have been around 2015-ish or so, and he was the last player still active in the NHL from the 90s, which is when I grew up. So it was just like, it was like he was, he was the last survivor, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it, listen, like I said, the dude's a legend. So I mean, you could you could put anyone up against it, and Yager's probably going to win a favorite player poll. Yeah, absolutely. But getting back to Brett Hall, I mean, I I went to uh, a Blue Stars game a couple years ago. I think I've I've talked to you about this before, and the I just happened to go on the night where it was Brett Hall tribute night, which was just like. And I get down there, and you know, in the souvenir store, they have autographed Brett Hall jerseys. They were selling souvenir pucks, which I got one. Uh, it's one of my favorite possessions on my bookshelf. And then he came out on the ice before the game, and they honored him. And it's like, I, I guess I never realized how much of an effect Brett Hall did have on Stars fans. I mean, yeah, he won them the Stanley Cup, but it's like they still kind of revere him as, you know, a you know, God-tier legend down there. So it just uh, – I guess I shouldn't be too surprised though, right? So I have to admit, I am a little young for, for you know, actual – like I didn't grow up watching Brett Hall play hockey. I have since seen his highlights. Like I'm not, I'm not saying I'm completely naive here. The dude is a legend and unbelievable. And I mean, listen, his performance at the Blues Stanley Cup Parade was legendary <laughs> in itself. Like, how can he not talk about that? Majestic so, singing voice. It, it was incredible. Um, I'm surprised he. I'm surprised he wasn't wasted when they honored him when you saw him. Um, he probably was at least half wasted. I'm not gonna um, lie. Uh, so. So I didn't grow up watching him, but but you watch the highlights. I remember when the NHL did their top hundred players a couple of years ago. He was on there, and, and like you watch it, and then like I said, the dude's a goal scorer. You you can put him on any line. You can put him with any center, any winger. You can put him out there with any defenseman. He's gonna score goals. That's that's what he's paid to do. That's what he was built to do. And damn, did he do it well? Oh yeah, definitely. He was a chip off the old block from his father for sure, and. Uh, you know, it was interesting his time in Dallas, though, because he was at a point in his career where his numbers were starting to slide a little bit and he kind of started to have to had to reinvent himself a little bit. And by I know by the time he was done in Detroit, 
he almost completed a conversion. I, I don't want to say he ever quite got there, but he almost completed a conversion to being a two-way forward, you know, because he started playing a little slower, more. Uh, he started actually caring about defense, which was new. Uh, and he's, but the most more thing was he his assist started to rack up a little bit. So he was becoming more of a setup guy as his career went on. Um, but here in St. Louis, I mean, any blues fan, they, they only remember him and his big slap shots. You know, he was, he was the King up here. And, I, and I'm glad to see that there's another fan base that reveres him. Like, you know, we do here. I don't know if Detroit reveres Hall as in, in the same way that our fan bases do. So. Well, well, you mentioned he 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 started to go a little two way forward there. He became sort of like you said, he started to slow down. So what did he do? He realized that hey, I might slow down, but I'm still a big guy, and so he just became the net front guy. And I mean, and you you see it with his game winning goal there. I mean, skate in the crease. That was where he was. Yeah, exactly. And that's 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 one of the most famous goals, especially if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan. Um, I try not to bring that up around our uh, Sabres hosts here on the Hockey Podcast Network for good reason. I like to maintain good relations with our other hosts. Um, oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting you decide to hold off when it's them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you can take it, though. See, I don't know. I, I don't know. See, Buffalo fans get really sensitive about things like that. You know, they're 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 they're, they're not tough like Stars fans. That's for sure. So you can't bring up you can't bring up that goal. You can't bring up the Ryan O'Reilly trade. No. Um, so yeah, you you really. What else is there to talk about with Buffalo anyway? Um, That's fair. The beautiful weather. Oh wait, can't talk about that either because Buffalo's miserable in the winter. Um, Niagara Falls is nice, but that's and Buffalo wings are kind of cool. But that's about it. That's really about <laughs> it. Um, I will say though that uh, it, every time I think of Brett Hall in a Dallas uniform, I I, I keep. For one, my natural antipathy towards Mike Keenan builds up. Um, although, really, he left when Joel Quinville was coach, but but Hull was pretty much done with the Blues organization by then. Um, but I remember being just angry that the Blues allowed Brett Hall to walk to Dallas. I mean, Wags, do you remember that time period? I mean, how how did you feel when uh, Hall became a, a Dallas star? Well, Brett Hall was my guy growing up. I still wear 16 when I'm playing hockey. Um, because that's who I grew up with. He was my favorite player. He still is one of my favorite players. Um, so, yeah, I was I was crushed. I mean, we we're coming off of, you know, 97, 98, uh, the, the whole Red Wings series and all those sorts of things. I mean, not seeing him. I think it was it wasn't so much him leaving. It was him winning the cup with Dallas. I, yeah. I, that's what made me the most upset. And it wasn't. It wasn't that he won the Stanley Cup or that Dallas won it and we didn't, what have you. It was just that he won it with somebody else. After everything that he put in and everything that, that went on, he built us an arena, essentially. And for him to not win a cup here and then go away and win a cup right away, essentially, that's the thing that stung the most. Uh, I don't blame him for going. Like you said, you know, he left when Quinville was here, but the seeds were, were set when Keenan was here and let guys like Cujo and, and didn't keep Gretzky and things like that. So the seeds were there. It just it just hurt more when he won the cup with somebody else after everything he did in St. Louis and just how much of a of a revered player and person he was here in the area. That that was the part that crushed me the most. Yeah, it it, it hurt me a little bit when he won with Dallas. Although I I think I was happy for him just because he won a cup. Period. The ones that hurt me though were the Detroit ones. You know when he was in Detroit with Brendan Shanahan. Two of my absolute favorite players growing up and here they were in red wings uniforms winning cups that hurt the worst because 
at the time, there was no team I hated on earth more in any sport than the Detroit Red Wings. And here they are with two Blues legends. That just pissed me off to no end. But I, but I at least it wasn't. At least it wasn't Hall and Oates. You know, if it was Hall and Oates in Red in Detroit, it would have been that would have been it for me. I probably would have quit hockey. Yeah, yeah. Hall Oates, uh, uh, maybe uh, was, was You know, and and I think did didn't Detroit have Cujo around during that point, yes, that period yeah, too? So I think just, so. It was just like you know, I mean, really, just seriously. At this point, just. Put my heart in a blender and put and set it the puree. I mean, because oh, you're bringing up bad memories now. It's it's like seeing all your exes become friends. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's oh gosh, oh yeah, that that hurts. And and they not only that, but they start like a, they start up like a Facebook group, you know, exes of Farley. Exactly, you know, and, exactly. and then and then Facebook recommends you join the group. It just it, it, then <laughs> then it then, then just gets weird. And, exactly. and then it doesn't it doesn't like block the content. It says it recommends it, but it also shows you some of the posts that they've been putting out yeah, there, so they, you can see it. They accidentally said it the public, so yeah, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. exactly. And then uh, you're saying like they win that Stanley Cup. That's like well, see when your exes get married. Like that's got like I I understand that. Like I obviously don't have an ex that's gotten married, but. I can understand the pain of seeing your favorite player traded. It's 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 not fun. I love the game of hockey. I always have loved the game of hockey, but I will say during that time period, I may have become slightly more of a baseball fan around that time. I was just just had such a bad taste in my mouth about the game. Um, but speaking of the game of hockey, so we're we're talking about games and stuff that happened in the past because we can't talk about games and stuff that's happening right now. You know, we are in the midst of this pandemic which means we are without hockey. Uh, and there's still a lot of chatter behind the scenes about when hockey is going to come back, where is it going to be played, will there still be a regular season, or are we just going to jump right to the playoffs, and what's the playoffs going to look like, and how is the draft lottery or draft going to be set up? A lot of questions that have no answers. Uh, so I want to ask you, Farley, first of all, what do you hope happens you know, when hockey comes back? Mm, I think we're a little bit past what I hope happens. I think what, if it was up to me, what I had hoped would happen was, or, you know, we're in quarantine for three weeks a month and we can just pick up game 73 and keep playing the rest of the season. That's what I hope to happen. Like I'm, I'm, I don't like change very much. I I definitely dig my heels when it comes to that sort of stuff. So you're telling me that we're going to have to do this something different at, it just it doesn't sound very very fun for me. Yeah, and I think we might be past the line of demarcation when it comes to getting a regular season back. So uh, I've seen some form uh, ideas where the playoffs are like best of five for the first few rounds, and then the final is a is a best of seven. Do you feel like I do that? You know, the team that would win the Stanley Cup in that format would get like a little asterisk next to their name because it's not they didn't go through the full playoff experience. So I think everyone is asking everyone this question. I know I've asked I've asked this question to multiple people. So I've gotten a few different answers for that one. And, you know, they all sort of it's funny because I'll lean one way and then I'll read something and I'll I'll go back the other way. Um, I've I've heard some people that that say, you know what? No, the Stanley Cup's the Stanley Cup and none of the players that are on that team that win will ever, you know, look back and be like, yeah, we won the Stanley cup, but you know, did I really, I think they'll all take their Stanley cup rings. They'll take their t-shirts. They'll take their hangovers and they'll, they'll celebrate the Stanley cup. Um, 
from a fan perspective, though, I think it's hard to look at it and think about it. But the, the thing that I always come back to is how often do you think back on, I, I don't even remember off the top of my head, but who won the Stanley Cup during one of the most recent lockouts? Like, do you, do you think about, like, when you think back on that lockout, do you ever really think, like, right, you're just, well, they won the Stanley Cup that year and you move on. So, right, like, we might think about it for the next, maybe the next year afterwards they will have won the cup they're like well yeah but they won that way but when you look back on it in five years like like in remembering you're gonna be like oh that was the coronavirus year but also they won the stanley cup and i don't think you're gonna really put that caveat in your head when you're thinking back on it i want to say and i'm not looking this up or anything but the last lockout would have ended in 2013 and they resumed the season and we did have a, we did have a stanley cup that year was that a Wags, was that a Penguins or a Blackhawks year? Do you do you recall? I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, I am going to look it up though, so don't worry it, about that. Yeah, it, it was one of the I'm, two though. Because I'm trying to figure out why I'm not remembering who won the cup that year, and it's probably because it was one of those two teams, and I really don't care for either team. Um, let's let's see here. 2013 Stanley Cup survey says the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago. That's was, why we don't remember it. That's why we don't remember. We 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 tend to scrub uh, playoffs from that era out of our minds for 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 a reason. Um, and that's and that's the thing about being a Blues fan too is like you know you you heard my angst and anger over the Detroit Red Wings. Well, I will say nowadays, now that Detroit's in the Eastern Conference, we kind of just don't care about them anymore, really. And not only that, but they kind of suck now. So it's just kind of like <laughs> it's just kind of like it's not fun anymore. And whereas Chicago, they got good, and they're still in our division. I think I think I think Wags is fair to say Chicago's back to being our number one rival, right? Oh, most definitely, especially after that playoff series with the the wakey wakey Bacchus and and all those things that have happened since. Uh, not so much the three Stanley Cup victories. I mean, those hurt, and it sucked to see them raise the cup, and that's definitely we'll a big up. part of it. Yeah, we'll definitely catch <laughs> up. Uh, but that that playoff series. Um, with, with what it was just so brutal. Um, that really got it back to what it was in the mid nineties, you know, when Ronick was there and Belfort, uh, it, that's when it got to be good again. And now that both teams are, well, I mean, the blues are much better than Chicago is now. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. I think this rivalry with Dallas is really starting to grow uh, into something real good. It's not so much a hatred rivalry. It's more about a, just a, a mutual respect that, yeah. that the other team is really good and we don't want to play them because we could lose, and we don't want to lose to Dallas. Yeah, this is like the Central United States version of like the like the Bulls and the Celtics, or no, actually, not, not, I take it back, Lakers Celtics, like in the '80s, you know, where they didn't hate each other, but it was there was a rivalry there because these were two of the best teams in the game going right now, and it it just felt epic every time those two teams would face off. Uh, Farley, I mean, what, what's your feeling about uh, among stars fans when it comes to the St. Louis blues? Do you feel it's a, it's a natural rivalry starting to build up? I think that playoffs are the best place to breed rivalries. And the more and more, uh, the stars and blues play in the playoffs and get competitive playoff series. Like we saw last season, uh, the more intense of a rivalry we'll get. Listen, you guys only recently have only had seven games of Jamie Ben. If you want to keep getting seven games of Jamie Ben, I guarantee you this 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 mutual respect thing will not be there anymore. No. 
No, you're right. I mean, he's not Brad Marchand, but he's uh, he's he's up there. Blues fans don't like Jamie Ben, do we, Wags? No, no. I mean, what the St. Louis Game Time always has something fun to say about Jamie Ben whenever Dallas comes here. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I always think back. Actually, the game I went to in Dallas was the game where uh, Jamie Ben like ended up like sitting on Petrangelo's head. And, you know, I remember going on an epic rant on my podcast because Petrangelo just kind of sat there like a wet fish, you know, and I was just like, what the hell, Petrangelo? What are you doing? Get up. Be a captain. Dude. You know, just it was to me it was atrocious, but I was also angry at Ben because that was just Jamie Ben being Jamie Ben, of course. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie Ben's one of those players, though. I mean, like, yeah. he, he's the captain for a reason. He's going to get under your skin. It's the way he plays. And yeah, uh, listen, I, I'd hate him, too, if he was on 30 other teams. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy he, he's not. Definitely Does he good- remind you a little bit about of, of like a David Backus in a sense? Because Backus was a guy that seemed to get under people's skin as well. He was a net front presence. Um, you know, he wasn't. I mean, Ben's a little bit more gifted offensively, I think. But it's the same sort of concept. I mean, he's a captain. He's rough. He's physical. He gets under people's skin. Do you see Ben being sort of in the mold of like a David Backus? I think I think you hit it on the on the head there with it. I mean, I definitely would say Jamie Ben probably has a little bit more offensive upside than than Backus. Um, but I think when it comes to you know like that that the leadership quality that um like he he's they are the very prototypical like they're the first guys you know over the boards they're the the last guys on practice they are just like they're just monsters and they they lead by example like people want to follow that sort of like i'm first one on the charge and you guys are going to be behind me and they're right they're big they're physical they're nasty i think i think very much so uh they, they do have a lot of similar aspects yeah, definitely. And Ben's, of course, one of the guys that is going to be a star probably for the next six years, if nothing else, because of his contract, uh, $9.5 million per, and he's got a no-movement clause. And it kind of leads me to, you know, the stars going forward. So, you know, one thing that we talked about you know, extensively with the Avs is kind of the, the state of the blues where we're at right now. And I think it's pre- pretty fair to say, Wags, that we're at a point with our salary cap and our roster makeup where – Anytime we talk about the next year or two and beyond, we have to take a little bit of Mylanta, you know, just because you have to figure out, okay, which players are going to have to sacrifice to fit all these guys in. Um, that pre- that That's pretty fair to say, Wags, right? Oh, very, very fair to say. I mean, you, you were talking about losing our captain, and I'm not going to compare it to when Hull left, but this could be a, a same sort of situation where a guy with – Petrangelo's pedigree and the fact that he just won a Stanley Cup, he's the captain. If he leaves, that that could be huge as far as magnitude is concerned. And and if the Blues are unable to re-sign him, yes, at least in this case, they've got some ready-made replacements uh, and they've done their due diligence to make sure that the team going forward is going to be competitive. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out and, and who moves. And Obviously, I don't think he's going to go down to Dallas, but uh, that would be that would be a huge coup if the if the stars pulled him away. Oh my God, wouldn't it? I mean, would would you like to see Petro in Dallas? I think. I mean, listen, we might not score any goals ever, but <laughs> neither will the other team at that point. One nothing games every night. <laughs> we would be taking it straight back out out of the New Jersey playbook from from the you know the the nineties. Oh, going to bring back the neutral zone trap, huh? 
Hey, listen, uh, honestly, at this point, we'll just send, we'll send like our two 23 year olds that can skate faster than everyone else. They'll four check. And then we can let the rest of our 30 year olds just stack up at the blue line. <laughs> well, I'm looking at your cap friendly right now. And there, there's a couple things that are jumping out at me. Number one is Dallas currently has $815 in cap space, uh, which is just a hilariously low number. Um, and the fact it's still positive that that low amount is just funny to me. The other thing is, is that it looks like, I mean, the, the stars kind of have, you know, at least with their forward core anyway, a lot of older players, uh, Bishop and Kadobin are 33. I mean, is the feeling in Dallas that, uh, the window might be closing a little bit, or is there still a feeling that, uh, you're still going to be competing for the next couple of years? I think very much so. They're, they 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 know that. I think the team knows that as well. I think think you could see it. You know, before the season got s- stopped, even that they, they knew that. And so the fact, like when they would go, when they would struggle and have some some you know a little prolonged losing streaks there, that that they'd get a little frustrated because they know that like listen, we're good and we need to be winning now. And the fact that we're not is really annoying because, I mean, like you said, we've got uh, almost like 60% of our forward core, if not more is above the age of 30. Um, and so then to see the season canceled even, and everyone, you know, get a step older is, is even more frustrating. It's a huge thing. Cause I mean, if you think about it, we brought in Corey Perry on a one-year deal. We brought in Andre Sekera on a one-year deal and they're all good players for this season. Do I want a year older Sekera and a year older Perry, especially now that neither of them are playing hockey right now? And I'm sure they're still working out and staying in condition, but it's different, you know, when you're 35, 36 trying to do that and and you take like a a month and a half off from hockey compared to a 22, 23 year old. Um, So it's definitely frustrating because I listen, I liked, they didn't, they didn't maybe necessarily didn't pay off in maybe like they, they didn't, hit but i don't think we missed with Sekera or perry either so like to see people like that get older and then we didn't really get to use them this season is definitely frustrating well and then of course you're looking at the uh, idea of a 34 year old roman Polak being on your uh, defensive core uh, a lot of fond memories of roman Polak here in st louis wags but uh that might be a little uh too long in the tooth for a guy like Polak, huh yeah. I, um, how about this? Pollock for Petrangelo, one for one. Um, we don't we don't like drug users uh, as guests on the on the Blue Notes uh, program <laughs> here, so uh, we're we're gonna have to respectfully decline that. And oh gosh, we're out of time. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're, <laughs> we're we're good. We're good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, Dallas is gonna be a team. I think I, I'm definitely gonna look at for the next couple of years. I mean, I. They're a team that, honestly, I, I would worry about now if the Blues ran up against them in the playoffs, partly because you know there is going to be a chip on Dallas's shoulder to undo what happened last year. Um, you know, there, there's, there's no denying that that bill is going to come due for us someday. So, um, and it, it, it still could happen. So, I'm, you know, as I started off Blue Notes with, a, with, with me pretty much on my hands and knees begging the NHL to please put have St. Louis as a host city for, for if we get playoff games back, because that means I can go to those games. You know, I, I have, I have a press pass. I could have a whole section to myself and, and watch hockey. So I, that little, little self-centered reason there, but I, I I've seen Dallas mentioned as a potential hub city or a host city for games is, uh, do you, do you think Dallas is a good site for that? And like, what's, what's the feeling among stars fans? I mean, is, is that something they're pretty excited about? 
Uh, well, I th- listen, I think, I mean, it depends on if you're going to have fans or not. I think if you're going to have fans, it's going to be a good city. We, I mean, we do really well. We fill the arena every night. Uh, it's rocking in there um, every night. Nice um, I, th- I think, yeah. And I think you also saw that with um, the uh, Winter Classic uh, between Dallas and Nashville, the fans will show up. So uh, I don't think there there should be a question on whether or not, oh, we'll have enough people to, to come to games. I think that there are enough people, especially in the South, that, that like hockey and are willing to come and enjoy games. Um, yeah. uh, from a city standpoint, I've only been to Dallas a few times. Um, uh, this might frustrate some people. I'm more of an Austin fan myself. If I'm going to someplace in Texas, I'm probably going to go to Austin instead. Um, but I, listen, I think uh, Dallas is, is beautiful, and especially for some of the uh, people that would be coming to watch the games from up north, I think it's a pretty nice change in scenery um, considering. So I think it's a pretty good choice. Yeah, I like Dallas a lot. When I, when I visited, it, it was a city I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed it more than Austin, although I was I only had a brief pit stop in Austin, and I it was during rush hour traffic, so that kind of hampered my enjoyment of Austin a bit. But Dallas is a fun city, and I gotta say, American Airlines that place is set up very nice. I mean, for one, the interior mm-hmm. is nice; it's a nice big stadium. But I like the area out front that it's kind of enclosed a little bit. Uh, it's a great place for fans to hang out. Uh, Stars fans were really cool when I was there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't meet a single jackass, you know, while I was there. Can't say the same for Nashville, uh, and I can't say the same <laughs> for 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 Tampa. But Dallas fans, I don't know. I, I maybe I got lucky, but I I just I ran into some a lot of cool fans, and I and it, I kind of envious of how Dallas's stadium is set up compared to us here in St. Louis. Enterprise Center, it's it's there. There's no real hangout area, you know. I mean, it's all pretty open. Um, you have to park your car in Timbuktu and then walk to the stadium. Hopefully you don't get accosted by a homeless person. Um, you know, it, it, it just, it, it, it's, it's an okay experience, I guess. I mean, it's not bad, but I mean, I look at Dallas where you have this like area, you know, right, right out in front where it's like, it's cool. You can hang out. There's shops nearby and it's just, it's just a really cool setup. I recommend anyone that is a hockey fan, uh, whether you're a blues fan or otherwise, get down to Dallas to see a game. It's actually, yeah, it's really I, fun. I think, I think it's one of those things that's like Dallas doesn't really have too many rivals necessarily. So um, it, it's, and, and like I said, the, the fans there like hockey and they like their stars, but I don't think they're really going to, they might just not have the, 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 I don't know. There's just something to it. Yeah. They're not going to be. They're not going to be mean because th- there's less of a. You know, th- there's less of a. Oh, we hate you, and more of like, yeah. hey, we're Stars fans. We like hockey. You're the other team's fans. You guys like hockey. We can be cool. Yeah. Um, and I and, say, and so it's just different. I, and I would say Wags. That's pretty much the same for Blues fans. I mean, I've I've never really had a reason to dislike the Stars. I mean, I can't really think of one. No, no, not at all. I mean, I, I've actually not run across a whole lot of Stars fans, unfortunately. Uh, but just knowing a little bit about Dallas, I mean, anything, anytime you're not a Cowboys fan, uh, <laughs> you're okay. I mean, if you're a yeah. Cowboys fan, it's a whole different story. But you, know, you also look at, you talk about the arena, you know, it's also inhabited by the Mavericks and Mark Cuban. So you know, there seems to be some sort of synergy there as well, just like the Blues have with the Cardinals. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Cuban has some sort of synergy with the Stars and the Mavs. Uh, and that's where you get that just good-natured um, sort of thing where they're, they're just nice people. They enjoy the sport. And, yes, they're going to sit there, and, and if your team wins, they're going to be, oh, but it's really about that, once again, mutual respect of 
I like hockey. You like hockey. We're going to cheer a good play, whether it's for the other team or not. That's just because we love hockey. And that's just kind of how Dallas fans strike me. I will say, I will say, I have never been accosted more after being cheering for the losing team's fan base than when I visited St. Louis. Ooh, well, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, we we, we tend to imbibe a little bit up here. And uh, yeah, we can can be a prickly lot. Uh, So I'll I'll be very... I'll be very quick. Me and my dad, we went and saw a blues game. Uh, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to say who we, but we went cheering for the away team. I'm not going to say who the away team was. Tom, okay. you actually know, cause you helped me with this. Yes, However, I, I went cheering for the away team. Good game. It was a two, one regulation win for the blues. So good game. And we left. All right. The people around us during the game were awesome. Super nice. Loved it. Uh, you guys have that little power. You thing. <laughs> <laughs> into it i'm 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 all about it yeah um but uh outside the arena it was cold we went and saw it in december um very cold okay. we were li- we were leaving and we had a couple of drunk girls as they walked by uh basically get into me and my father's face and just go kansas sucks and very loud um yeah. it, that 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 is an accurate uh interpretation of a drunk girl slur in st louis that that, that that's this accurate sucks and then we had some people <laughs> roll down their windows as they passed us in cars and yell it was and and i've been to games in jersey i've been to games in new york uh and in brooklyn and i've never been yelled at like i was outside of the st louis arena well and i will say you you saying it was in December makes a lot of sense. This would have been the prior season. Um, we were kind of in a bad mood in general. I think that'd be fair to say, Wags, you know, because our team was not playing very good. And, uh, yeah, we were seeing a great season slip away. So we – and it, not only that, it was cold. St. Louisans don't like cold weather generally. I mean, even though we have to deal with it, it's pretty fair to say, Wags, we don't like cold weather very much. No. No, no, no. And it's for here, we get it. So I wouldn't say so infrequently, but because of the wild swings here, you know, we can have an 80 degree day in December and it doesn't phase us. Uh, So we're just not used to that constant cold and dark and disgusting. And when it's, when you get that, the snow, that's not really snow. It just all kind of compounds at once. And then you throw in the, the fact that they were terrible at that time. And anytime we got a win, it was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah we apologize for that uh, hey listen, there are a lot I, of really good fans here though i still had a fantastic time like i said in the arena during the game was incredible tom um nicely gave me the name of, of a nice local bar to go to before which which was amazing um so so listen overall i still loved my time in st louis but but right. i've never been berated like that before all right, Zoom is literally literally telling us we are running out of time here. So, Michael, any any final things to plug? Uh, yes. Um, as we all know, we are going to be teammates here coming up. Uh, we are part of the Goon Line Gaming. Um, we're ripping it up in the ESHL, and I think we're going to be doing an inner uh, network tournament where we will all be the central division. So, uh, if you guys want to see us absolutely mop the floor with the rest of the rest of the network, Amen. you should tune in on YouTube. Yeah, so it, just look for the Hockey Podcast Network on YouTube. We'll be there. Games every Saturday night. Uh, it's going to be a blast, and I hope you join us along for the ride. Michael, thanks a lot for joining me. Clean Skate Podcast. Uh, you're at Clean Skate Pod on Twitter. Uh, follow him, like him. He's a cool guy because he's a Stars fan, and we, we, we're okay with Stars fans. Thanks for having me.
And that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me. There is no Hockey Podcast Network. And there certainly is no WAGS. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.